0: Thank you very much, very nice to be with you all. I've heard a lot about Trinity. This is very nice to actually finally get to be here and uh, Gareth and Zoe are old friends. It's really nice to see you as well. Um, On Monday last week, about eight o'clock in the evening, a small community in Northern Nigeria called Kuda, which is mainly made up of Christians, was invaded by Boko Haram an Islamic terrorist group you'll probably have heard of. They went door to door in the community, targeting the Christian households and systematically killing the Christians they found. They killed 25 people. The following day, as the community was preparing for the funerals of those who died, Boko Haram came back and everybody fled. Did we read about that in the papers? No. At Open Doors, we hear these stories every single day. The truth is, there are 245 million Christians around the world who are currently experiencing high or extreme levels of violence and oppression as a result of their faith. To put that into perspective, that's nearly four times the population of the UK. I started at Open Doors last July as chief executive and was so shocked by what was going on. I had no idea, I had no idea. And I'm still shocked at how little we know about it as Christians across the UK. So Open Doors exists, to raise awareness of what our brothers and sisters are going through. And then to invite people like yourselves and Christians around the world to join a global underground network to support the church and to support Christians in places where, not to put it uh, too lightly, extremists are trying to eradicate Christianity. And that is going on in many more places than we would like to imagine. Open Doors does research into the 50 most dangerous countries to be a Christian. And this year, we have not only those 50 countries, but 22 more that we're keeping an eye on. So the number of Christians experiencing persecution is increasing. And when I started this job, um, people said to me, how are you gonna cope with the stories? You know, it's gonna be so grim. How are you going to manage? And the thing that has really surprised me, there are three things that I've really learned. First is, their pain is our pain. When I hear the stories, and for me, it's particularly the stories of women and children, uh, it just breaks your heart and this sense of being as andrew was saying earlier one family one body you know when you stub your toe your mouth goes ouch and it's like that it's like our brothers and sisters are in pain and you you feel the pain and so praying for them supporting them in practical ways advocating on their behalf i can get extremely worked up Um, It comes naturally because their pain is our pain. And I know you've been praying in this church for both the work we do and for those we're serving, and I'm so grateful for that. Brother Andrew, who set up Open Doors, said prayer is the real battle. And I think increasingly I recognise that, that this is a spiritual battle we're fighting. But there are two other things that have really blown me away and uh, just amazed and delighted me really one is that the faith of our brothers and sisters ignites our faith I have been amazed at how my faith has grown even in the year I've been at open doors just the stories and Emma this evening and me this morning will both be sharing some of the stories it's just so inspiring to hear how people stand strong in the face of this stuff And the third thing is, there's so much we can learn from them. So much we can learn from them. We not only need their witness, we need to learn from their experience. Um, So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And the passage I'm going to look at is from Matthew 5. It's verses uh, 1 to 16, and it's the Beatitudes. So quite familiar. Let me start off by reading it. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out I've come to you with three questions for you this morning. I'll tell you what they are. I'll give you a spoiler to start with, and then I'll go through them. The first is, are you hungry? The second is, are you salty? And the third is, have you been trampled? So kicking off with, are you hungry? Um, This is, this is, this is amazing teaching, really, and it's actually the first teaching that Jesus gave his disciples. So, you know, picture the scene. Matthew says, there they are on the mountainside. His disciples come to them. They sit down, and the first thing Jesus says to, you, to them is, look, guys, it's really good news when you're poor in spirit, when there's no meaning to your life, when you think everything is rubbish, when you've got no faith, no sense of God, that's really great news because that's when you're gonna know the kingdom of heaven. He says to them, it's also fantastic when you lose something you really care about. When somebody dies and you're in pain, it's good news because you'll be comforted. And it's also great news When you know, actually, you're capable of achieving diddly-squat. When you can't do anything yourself. When you recognize that, that's really good. Because it's at that point that you're going to inherit the earth. Imagine what the disciples must have thought. Basically, Jesus is saying, it's really great news when you realize you're basically without. I can just imagine them sitting there thinking, what? And then he goes on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that's the point. When we're hungry, when we are desperate for God, when we are absolutely incapable of doing anything in our own strength, at the point where we've lost everything we care about, that's the moment, isn't it? That's the moment we press into Jesus. That's the moment he meets with us. I know you've been praying about Sri Lanka. And if you put up the first slide, please, this is a picture we were sent by our colleagues in Sri Lanka. This is one of the churches that was bombed in Sri Lanka on Easter Day. And on Tuesday this week, we received a letter from one of our colleagues who's been working with the Christians who belonged to the churches that were bombed. And I just want to read out to you a little bit of the letter. She wrote this. The first home we visited was that of forgive me with the names, Arasaratnam Vale, he lost his son Jackson, who was 13. His sister Valini, who was 36, was one of the Sunday school teachers, and her husband Ranjith was also killed in the blast. When we visited his niece Eliza, who's six, Ranjith and Valini's daughter, was still at Batakaloa in um, intensive care unit. She was about to be transferred to a hospital in Colombo the next morning. It also happened to be her birthday. Because of the shrapnel, her womb had been taken out. She's six, this little girl. She was also blinded by the blast in one eye, and doctors are trying to save the other. My son Jackson and my sister died on the spot, Voel said. My brother-in-law died a week after the incident in the hospital. He had a black belt in karate. He was an engineer. His hips stopped functioning and, event- and he had third-degree burns. Eventually, he too passed. Jackson, my son, was team captain of the basketball team, Voel continued. He used to compete in many places like Jaffna and Colombo." He's the best in everything. He's my only son. Verl also told us about Valini's rich spirituality. She read the Bible cover to cover 27 times, he said. He also said Valini was the one who taught his children about sin, all the children, before they went down before the blast. She made sure the children confessed their sins and accepted Jesus in the lesson, he said. After that, she and the children went down for breakfast and the explosion went off just as they were coming downstairs. Ranjith and Valini have left behind their six-year-old daughter, Eliza, and their eight-year-old son, Rufus. And then Val told her this. He said, losing someone hurts. They're special people, but they were not killed. They were sown. They're like seeds. And the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of the church. Jesus died on Good Friday, and on Easter Sunday, he was resurrected. My son's sister and brother in law died, but they were resurrected with Jesus on that day. And then my colleague wrote Despite the heartache, grief, and loss, Verl committed to dedicating his life to God, even after this bombing. God is good he says, God is great. My foundation is Jesus Christ. I'm zero. Jesus is everything. And then he added, my son was mine for 13 years, but he is his forever. It's just amazing, isn't it? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted Um, she wrote that uh, they'd been at church that morning and the pastor at the church had been preaching about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And the vicar said this, why do we have to walk through this fire? At this point, we may not know why, but God is in the fire with us. God is with us in our suffering he walks with us and cries with us. He's the fourth man in the furnace. It's amazing, isn't it? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I've learned that time and time again from our persecuted brothers and sisters, that at the very moment, you're in the darkest place. If you can turn to the Lord, he's right there and he meets you. And that's the blessing. So I think one of the questions for us is, are we hungry? Have you experienced that, that longing to turn to Jesus? And one of my questions for you is, if you're not hungry, why are you not hungry? Is it because you're full of something else? I had a very interesting experience this this year when we got to Lent. I live in London and uh, at my church, we have a daily devotional. And at the beginning of the Lent, it was about fasting. And actually, I, I have to admit, I really hate fasting. I really, I love my food. I really find fasting very difficult. So I was on the tube and I was saying to the Lord, okay, you know, do you want me to fast? You know, okay. But is there something else? I just, you know, it's just on the tube. It's just sort of hanging out with him on the tube. was like, is there anything else, Lord, anything else that I should be fasting from? And into my head popped this word, sewing. Now, I'm very keen on dressmaking. I'm a very big fan of the Great British Sewing Bee. And if my husband was here, he would tell you that I am a little bit obsessive about dressmaking. So on a Sunday afternoon in our house, after I've done my bit in the garden, I disappear upstairs to where my sewing machine is for about four hours, I kid you not. And it's sort of, it can take over, let's be honest. And so I gave it up for Lent. And it was so interesting. I would never have thought of that being the thing that was filling me up. But actually, it was taking up a huge amount of my time and my thought life. And actually, if I'm really honest, this sounds a bit ridiculous, but it's taking up my heart life as well. So is there something, is there something that is filling you up and resulting in you not being hungry for Jesus? Just a question. Are you hungry? Now, Jesus was saying all this to the disciples, and he pointed out that when you are hungry, you get filled with righteousness. The Spirit comes and fills you, and then you start to behave differently. You're merciful, you're pure in heart, you're peacemaker. And he goes on to say, and if you're behaving like that, you will be persecuted. And it's interesting to me that in this passage, he first of all talks in general terms, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the language shifts, and he turns to the disciples and makes it specific. Blessed are you, he said to the disciples, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And I think he said that because the disciples were already experiencing persecution. And he was trying to encourage them. He probably saw the total look of horror on their face. So he went on to explain why it was so important that they stand firm. And that's went into, he went into this very familiar passage about you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world and the world needs you. So my second question is, are you salty? And there are three aspects of salt I want us to consider. If I could have the next slide, please, Andrew. Uh, Not this one, next one. This one. This is Leah Sharibu. In February 2018, so last year, Leah was 15 and she was taken with 100 other girls from her school in Dapshi, northern Nigeria, again by Boko Haram. One month later, they were all released, except for Leah. All the other girls went home, but not Leah. And the reason Leah was not released was because she refused to renounce her Christianity. All the other girls either renounced it or were Islamic. They said to Leah, if you will renounce your Christianity and turn to Islam, you can go home. And she refused to do it. She was the only one they kept. So she was taken because she was a girl. She's been kept because she was a Christian. They're saying they will enslave her for life. And um, she wrote to her mum. A message got through to her mum. And she said this. I know it's not easy missing me. But I want to assure you that I'm fine where I am. My God, whom we have been praying to with you, is showing himself mighty in my trying moment. I know your words to me during our morning devotions that God is very close to people in pain. I'm witnessing this now. I'm confident that one day I shall see your face again, if not here, then in heaven. Leah was prepared to stand out from the crowd. You know the way salt stops food being bland? It brings out the distinctiveness of the different flavors, doesn't it? Leah's being salty. Such an inspiration. I love this uh, picture of her because she's so feisty. Look at that. It's just great, isn't it? She's so 15. Fantastic. Please pray for her because that is tough. If we could go on to the next one, please. Uh, Next one. Oh, no. Have we just flicked through? Sorry, I thought there was another one. Is there another one? No, okay. Just go back to Leah then. Thank you. Sorry, I thought we had a picture up here of Pastor Abdullah. So another type of saltiness is when we bring reconciliation and healing. You know, salt in water is an amazing healing mixture. My husband and I, when we were first married, had terrible boils and a friend who was a nurse said to us so just boil up water and put salt on it and that's what you need to you know get rid of the boils that's very antiseptic and so on and i think when jesus talked about us being the salt of the world he was also talking about bringing healing bringing reconciliation and in syria which we've read about a lot in the papers Many of the pastors, while all the other Christians have fled from the Islamic extremists in Syria, many of the pastors have remained. And we've been working with them to set up centers of hope to enable them to reach out not just to the Christians in their communities, but the non-Christians as well. And they've been giving out food, they've been giving out medicines, they're creating socioeconomic opportunities for people. So, one of the challenges is that there are no jobs. I mean, actually, Syria's just been destroyed, it's been flattened. Apparently, ISIS used churches and Christian artifacts for target practice. So, not only were the churches razed to the ground, but all the statues were just blasted to pieces as they were all testing out their ak-47s i met uh, before christmas i had the privilege of going to clarence house and meeting prince charles called a meeting of all the church leaders from the middle east and i was privileged to be there and there was an archbishop from syria talking about what it would take to get Christians to come back to his country and to get Christians to remain in his country. And he's saying, we must rebuild. We must restore. People need houses. They need jobs. They need places to educate their children. They need a reason to stay. And so Open Doors is helping people do this and particularly supporting the pastors. And Pastor Abdullah said, Our Lord is offering a better life for people. I believe that we should be the same way as our Lord Jesus Christ, offering a better life for people spiritually, but also practically. And he and his church members, as I say, are doing everything they can to create reasons for people to stay. I heard about a woman in Damascus who's also been going to one of these centres. She was a Muslim woman. She was seven months pregnant, had a two-year-old daughter. She lost her husband in the fighting. She lost her brother in the fighting. She was on her own. The church helped her. And after a time, she came to faith. And I think the witness, when Jesus says here... uh, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The witness of the Christians who've remained is drawing people to Jesus. And uh, Jesus is growing his church. So, are you salty? One other point about being salty is that actually when you're salty, it makes you thirsty. So if you're not feeling particularly thirsty for Jesus, maybe it's because you're not trying to be salty enough. As we step out for him and try to do stuff, we become desperate for him, don't we? Because we know that we need his strength and power to do it through us. And finally, coming into land now, my last question to you is, have you been trampled? So in this passage, I think it's very interesting that he adds this to what he's saying to the disciples. He, he says to them, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I've always thought that was a warning. But actually, I wonder whether it's an encouragement, and I'm going to explain why. If we can go on a couple of pictures, please. Not this one, Uh, to Neeraj in India. This one. This is Neeraj in India, and I'm sorry his face is obscured. It's sometimes difficult for us to show the full face. Too dangerous for people, for us to do that. Um, India is number 10 on our list of 50 countries. It's in the top 10 for the first time ever in the 28 years we've done the research. The reason it's there is that the Indian government has vowed to eradicate Christianity from the country by 2021. Modi and the BJP party are equating being Indian with being Hindu. Therefore, Christians and indeed Muslims are having a really horrific time in India. And actually, the stories from India are the ones that literally keep me awake at night. Uh, Neeraj converted from Hinduism to Christianity two years ago. And he talked about how the persecution started about a year later. The religious leaders caught him, beat him. He said, they put me under pressure to renounce my faith in Christ, but I refused. My father also quarreled with me. He tried to separate me from my Christian friends so I could not have fellowship. One time he hit me with a brick. He also broke the door of my house once. Later, he beat me so badly that I went to find police protection. But the police told me to go away. I had no choice but to return to my father's house. Then in December, this was 2015, he and some friends were ambushed by Hindu extremists as they were coming back from discussing how they were going to celebrate Christian at, uh, Christmas at their church. And he said the, um, the Hindus pulled him and his friends off their bicycles and started shouting at him, why do you come here? Where do you come from? From 8 to 12 p.m., he said that they were beaten and kicked and all the while these hindus were saying to them you're forcing hindus to convert to christianity why are you doing this why are you doing this they were dragged off to the local community hall and locked there for the night and some of the attackers were guarding them and threatening them with knives saying unless you convert back to hinduism we'll kill you we'll kill you They kept saying things like, leave Christianity, and then you can return to your house. This is very common in India at the moment. Niraj refused. He said, no, Jesus is my Lord. I will never leave him. The following morning, they were taken to the police station. And the police, of course, also insisted they convert back to Hinduism and reject their Christianity. Apparently, a crowd of about 200 gathered outside the police station. And the police officers said, we will strip you naked and treat you with electric shocks if you do not renounce your Christianity. Neeraj told his friends he would never betray Jesus, but the two of them caved in, and eventually Neeraj did too. He was then subjected to what the Indians call a homecoming ceremony. Ironically, this was Christmas Eve, by now. Niraj was taken back to the local community hall where the Hindu idols were displayed. You know, Hinduism has lots of statues, um, lots of different gods. In the hall, he was forced to praise Rama, one of the Hindu gods, and to recite Hindu scriptures. They then smeared him with water mixed with cow dung and cow urine and forced him to renounce Christianity. Now. Eventually, they released him, and Neeraj went home to his wife, Ritu, absolutely devastated that he had renounced Jesus. Uh, He just couldn't believe he'd actually got to that point, but he was so scared. And they were praying during the night, not much sleep. They were praying during the night, and into his head popped this verse from Proverbs. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. And Jesus restored him. And he came back to faith. The story continues. They tried to escape the village. They were told the villagers were going to come after them and kill them. So they ran even further away. And they now live in a village at some distance. And Open Doors has been supporting them. I want to encourage you. Because if you are feeling trampled... If you are feeling, you used to be salty, but somewhere along the line, along the lines, you've lost your saltiness. Be encouraged because Jesus can restore you. And I think when Jesus asked his disciples here, "If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again?" I think it was a rhetorical question. I think he wanted them to know that he could make them salty again. So my three questions to you today, are you hungry? Are you salty? Have you been trampled? I just want to finish. I know you've been talking about personal encounters with Jesus and I had lunch with some old friends yesterday uh, who are not Christians. And they were asking me about my job and I was telling them some of the stories and so on. And Tom turned to me and he went, why, why would people put up with this? Why would people like Neeraj, just why didn't he give up much sooner? You know, why are people clinging to Jesus? What's going on? And the truth is, people know that Jesus is worth it. They know it. It's not a head thing, it's a heart thing. And so many people I've met, so many of our brothers and sisters who are oppressed in one way or another, they stand firm, they stand strong because they've had a personal encounter with Jesus. They've met Jesus personally. They've either heard him, they've had a word from him, as Niraj has. They've experienced him close, as Leah is. They've experienced him empowering them, as Pastor Abdullah is. They know he's worth it. And personally, I want that sort of relationship with Jesus. I, when, I, when I started this job, I seriously wondered whether I should pray for the church in the UK to be more persecuted. Because with that result in the kingdom of God, coming faster. The difficulty is God answers those sorts of prayers. And the reality of persecution is, I I don't don't want to have to go through that, but I do want to see the kingdom of God grow. So we would love it if you'd like to join us in this ministry, and you've all been given a leaflet. Um, In particular, we would love it if you'd like to sign up for the prayer diary because we know that prayer makes such a massive difference so if you would like that the the diary is good it's very specific um you can do that in here we would also of course love your financial support to enable us keeps keeping supporting people like pastor Abdullah. thank you i'm gonna hand back to you andrew
1: Shall we stand, if we're able to? It just seems like a, a, a moment to, to resolve. Uh, we've just got a moment before parents need to go and collect children. We'll, we'll, we will need to do that quite quickly today, uh, parents and carers, in a, in a moment or two. But let's just hold, hold a moment for resolve, I think, if we're able to. There's uh, the Tuesday night prayer gathering. Josie can tell you more about that there's the opportunity to to sign up as Henrietta has just shared Um, some incredible resources Nikki and I receive from Open Doors and really encourage you in that financially but also those wonderful questions that have been posed to us so here's a moment of resolve isn't there let's again just say Holy Spirit God with us now even as we come to the end of our time and some other things of the day are going to press on us Holy Spirit what do you want us to remember to take with us in our hearts now Holy Spirit what do you want us to do as I I pray for God's blessing on us the blessing of God almighty who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit come now and, and rest on each one of us here, rest on those we love rest on those we pray for in our own personal networks but Holy Spirit the blessing of God rest on the persecuted church the blessing of God be across the whole of the world and we do just stand with Leah and we stand with those other faces that we've we've half seen this morning may they know the love of god even now It is our our way to finish with the opportunity for, for prayer. So as some are going to need to go and collect children, there's an opportunity just to come. If you want to, for prayer at the front, just come down and invite you just to come and receive. Maybe some of those questions have directly, directly spoken to you. And if you want to come now, other members of the church family will come, even as some of our parents begin to go and collect their children. Do come if you want prayer for anything, lost your hunger a bit or thirst or you want to be saltier or you want to stand for Jesus in some way, you want to just respond to anything that you've heard, we do invite you to come and just receive prayer.